praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to thank uh, Pastor and Sister Seals. I want to thank, first of all, your pastor in, um, in his absence, Pastor Green. He's been so kind, and uh, we understand uh, why he is not here today. We're sorry he, um, we, we missed him, but we're hoping at some point we will connect. Praise God. Um, but I want to thank Pastor and Sister Sales. They were so kind. Um, take us as, we've never been to um, anything like this. Praise God. Babes. Um, <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. Um, we've been, we've, uh, the, the name itself carries with it certain things. You, you, don't, you don't know what to expect. My wife and I, we've, we've been in some interesting situations where, where the pastors wanted to kind of take us someplace new that they even had not been. Uh, one, one bishop, he was actually the superintendent of the, 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 uh, the, the uh, it was a presbyter of the particular area where we were in, somewhere in Canada. And he said, Brother and Sister Groves, I need to take you to this new restaurant I heard about. I heard the food is wonderful. Uh, we got in, it was myself, that time my, our kids were with us. Um, and their cousin happened to be with us, also a young man. And uh, we got in, we're seated, uh, got out the menus, we're looking at the menus, and then suddenly the lights kind of dimmed, and we heard some music come on and some jingling in the, in the corner. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this lady coming over. She was a belly dancer. And the <laughs> our presbyter immediately realized this is not going to be a good situation here. <laughs> I think the person that told him about the restaurant didn't, didn't realize that on certain nights they have a belly dancer. It's a Mediterranean restaurant. And she came right over to our table doing her stuff. And at one point, my, uh, my nephew looked up and, and Bishop immediately said, Dominic, keep your eyes down. <laughs> So the rest of the evening, we were focused on the table only. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So, but thank God, we had no such, uh, we had a wonderful time at Behaps. <laughs> Amen. Didn't have to keep our eyes anywhere in particular. Amen. But um, we enjoyed that. We enjoyed the fellowship in particular. And uh, as he mentioned, the general manager, he was so kind to come over and to sit with us, actually just sit and talk. Uh, I've thought for quite a while, for, the place was pretty busy. Um, I ju we just enjoyed the, the time. Thank you so much. We, and we, we certainly enjoyed it. And, um, uh, Brother Seals was sharing with me, uh, I had to actually ask him for um, a copy of, uh, of a poem he wrote. He was talking to me about something that we also uh, feel very strongly about, uh, Bible quizzing. And uh, it's such a blessing. When I heard the poem, I, I couldn't help myself. I had to ask him for a copy because that is inspired of God. And then this morning again, coming into Sunday school and hearing the lesson, um, I was back there taking notes. And then he mentioned the poem that he, he, the Lord gave him. And that's, I, I said to him yesterday that 
uh, that when I heard that poem, I know that that is not just from his mind, but that that was God, you know, give, giving him that. But then this morning when he read that other poem, that Lord, you know, I read, that's, that's a gift that God has given to him. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. And we thank God for that, sir. It's a, that's, a, that's a blessing to the body of Christ. And I and I hope you're you're able to share this with many many people. I I ask again. I'm I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this, asking him for his poems and whatever. <laughs> Praise God. Um, I hope I hope he trusts me enough to know I'm not going to be um, writing a book of his poems or whatever. <laughs> Even though I think that will do well. Praise God. But anyway, I want to thank you, thank you, Pastor Rob. Thank you so much, and um, all of the, the Pastor Will, everybody. You have been so kind, and um, on behalf of my wife and I and the, the, the people of South Sudan, Sudan, Kenya, where we work, I just want to thank you so much for, we're coming, we're kind of wrapping up our deputation now. This is our second to last week. Um, thank God. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, we've been on the road now just about 10 months, and um, uh, we're getting homesick. Praise God. Um, we, we just feel like we just need to get back. And, uh, but we're still enjoying the time with our churches here yeah. and our people. We thank God for the United Pentecostal Church yeah. in North America. We call it the church in, in North America. Uh, because if it were not for you, we would not be able to do what we do overseas. Yeah. Praise God. Because this, this is a joint effort. Yeah. Amen. I really believe um, our slogan is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church and it takes the whole church amen, amen. <clears throat> praise God somebody said I don't know who who came up with this phrase about uh, and I'm not even sure if I agree fully or whatever but they said something about it takes a whole village to, to raise a child well it takes I do know that it takes the whole church to reach this world with the gospel praise God and all of us we have a part to play and my wife and I often even say that um, to be quite honest, even we lived in North America for, for over 20 years and ministered here before going to East Africa. And uh, uh, we, we did not go to East Africa because there was nothing to do here. On the contrary, praise God. Um, we were, we were in, in Toronto, Canada, a large city, um, and ministered there and other places in, in, in Canada. And certainly I can tell you Canada is in need of the truth, just as much as any place else. In fact, many, I often say uh, more recently, it, there was a time when Africa would be referred to as the dark continent, referring, of course, spiritually, dark, spiritual darkness. But to be quite honest, that cannot really, um, that, that statement would need to be looked at again in light of what's happening in North America. Amen. Praise God. Because there are things that, that we are accepting here that they, they would never even fly in Africa. Praise God. In fact, we, the Western world are trying to impose some of these ideas on the, the African people and they are totally rejecting it. Praise God. Amen. We had, I have, have had some interesting experiences. I was driving one day and there was a live news um, kind of program going on. I think somebody from the BBC or one of these big networks came to Kenya um, and their agenda was to try to promote 
uh, gay rights and um, uh, legalizing prostitution and all this kind of stuff. And so they went down to one of the red light districts in Nairobi and they were interviewing live on the radio some of these prostitutes. And the gentleman was, it was obvious what his agenda was. He was kind of trying to get some uh, support for their ideas and to be able to influence some people and to get some things changed. And he was talking to this prostitute and he, he started to say, you know, um, what do you think about um, us trying to get prostitution legalized? And that lady, without hesitation, the moment he said that, she said, no, we don't want that. She's a prostitute now. But she said, we don't want it. That's sin. God doesn't like that. <laughs> and you could tell this man, it was not, this interview was not going the way he expected. Uh, so he kind of tried to come at it that different way. And then he, 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 he went to the point where he said, he said, but you know, ma'am, um, if this is legalized, then you, know, you, won't, you won't have to be wor worrying about the police harassing you and whatever. And she said, she said, no, no, this is sin. We don't want to do this. She said, she said the reason I'm doing this is because I don't have, I can't, I can't get a job to feed my family. She said, I don't want to do this. Help us to get a job and then I don't have to do this. And I should, this man, but now he was so determined when he said, he, he reiterated, he said, but, but what about like you're being harassed by the police and she said, the police, they are the worst people. They don't even want to pay. <laughs> I mean, and then she went back and she just started saying, she said, listen, she said, this is sin. God does not like this. We don't want to do it. Give us jobs. Help us to get jobs. Praise God. Needless to say, he, he quickly cut that interview short because it was not what he wanted being aired. Praise God. But that lady, being a prostitute, was letting him know that this, the problem here, is not legalizing sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We have, in North America, legalized a lot of things that the Bible says is, is just sin. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I would say, in, in fact, we may be looking at a situation where North America is the dark continent. Praise God. And some of these developed countries. But, um, you know, I, I, so I thank God for the opportunity we have. We are um, thankful for that the Lord has placed us in, um, in East Africa. But to be quite honest, we, thank, we pray for you folks and we thank God for our churches here. Because you are more needed than ever in, in, in reaching people with the truth. Praise God. I believe even things like, like um, not wanting Bibles in schools and prayer and all that kind of stuff, that's just an attempt by the enemy to keep people in spiritual darkness. Amen? Hallelujah. You know what? They may be successful in doing some of that, but thank God that's where we come in. They can't stop us. Amen? We are living epistles. Amen? We are living. They, they can't ban the, the child of God. Amen? We are living epistles seen and read of all men. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's so important that we do what we do. And because of that, my wife often says we are all missionaries. And she even says we are all foreign missionaries because this world is not our home. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Amen. But it's so good to be here, and so we're so happy, um, you know, to be able to fellowship with you, precious folks. Um, now, um, I must, I must confess right now, I'm kind of. Um, uh, the Lord has laid some things on my heart, but I do want to share with you a little bit about what the Lord's been doing, especially in one of the countries that we minister in, in, in South Sudan, which is the newest country in our world today. Um, uh, as I said, we're coming toward the end of our deputation. We do have a, a video presentation sometimes that we use, but I felt this, um, this morning to share with you some, some updates, which we have done recently um, in regard to especially the work that's happening in South Sudan, just to give you an idea of what God has been doing in this new country. Praise God. The Bible says when Jesus was asked about his coming, um, he, he, of course, mentioned several things that would happen, earthquakes, uh, diseases, and all that kind of stuff, um, uh, which we see happening all around us. But then some people don't realize when he said that after making those statements about wars, rumors of wars, all those things, he said specifically, the end is not yet. So those things, they will happen before the coming of the Lord and are happening, but they are not a signal of the end. Praise God. He actually said the opposite. He said, these are the beginning of sorrows. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And um, however, if you read on, he went on to tell you what will signal the end. He said, this gospel shall be preached in all the nations of the world for a witness, and then shall the end come. So can I tell you, church, God is looking not at this world and the political system and all the stuff that's going on. He's looking at us. Amen. We hold the key to the coming of the Lord. We have a responsibility to carry the gospel to everybody we can. And we, we kind of view what, what God is doing in South Sudan which happens to be the newest country in our world right now. It, they gained independence in 2011 after many years of civil war, um, fighting with the, the Muslim North, and um, they gained, finally gained independence um, in, in uh, July 2011. We were working there prior to that, by the grace of God, one month after um, <clears throat> the Lord allowed us to register the United Pentecostal Church of South Sudan in that country. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, this in itself was a, uh, more than a miracle because when my wife and I, when we were appointed missionaries uh, to the country, we, we were not allowed to go into the country because missionaries were not being allowed to go into Sudan. So even to get into the country was going to take a miracle. Well, God not only got us into the country, but he, he, he actually helped us to reach a place where we would register the church there. Something many people thought would never happen. You know, many of these countries, you have to operate on the ground, so to speak. But we were able, God brought it to point. And the Lord actually told my wife and I, I, I was thinking about this when pastor was teaching this morning about your personal devotion. And he said many things that I could completely concur with. And sometimes I hesitate to share sometimes, but uh, what he said, one of the things he said, he said one, some of his most precious times with the Lord has been when he has been with the Lord by himself, not in church. And that's my personal experience. Praise God. Amen. But um, 
South Sudan, I just want to share with you again, and this is the reason I'm, I'm, I'm even feeling to share this with you is not just to kind of give you an idea of what's been happening um, uh, more recently, but also um, we take this as God's indication that his coming is drawing very near, and he wants us to do what all we can to reach everyone we can while we can. Can I tell you, it's not just important to carry the gospel to people, but it's urgent. Amen? Amen? Because uh, we don't know when the Lord is going to come, but everything that is around us is telling us that something has to happen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. We are certainly living in perilous times. Amen. And the Lord, I just read it the other day again. The Lord said, if, um, if he were to just allow things to continue, nobody would be saved. But he said he had to cut it short for your sake, for my sake, for the chosen ones. Amen. He said he's going to intervene. And that's why I believe we're in that period right now where it's almost as if God is ready. Amen. To come and to just, just stop a lot of this stuff that's going on. Amen. Because sometimes if you, if, you, if, you know, I think if we, if, if some of the things that happen and we hear happening each day grieve us so much, how much more does it touch and grieve the heart of God? God did not create us to, to be in this kind of situation. It's because of what we heard this morning. It's because of sin. Amen. That is the root cause of all of what's going on. Praise God. So we, we're going to talk a little bit, and this is kind of like an, uh, a very, very um, uh, uh, brief update of some things that are happening in South Sudan. Um, this particular uh, picture that you're looking at um, is um, myself and some of our leaders. And again, um, we thank God that God is raising up people. We've just been, we registered the church in 2011. So we've, the church is basically very young. It's eight years old. Um, in South Sudan and but if you can see right here um, these are all pastors that God has raised up over that short period of time praise God <clears throat> hallelujah um, my wife and I spend a lot of time trying to train um, some of these young leaders and that's what we we have to travel back and forth headquarters has not allowed us to live in the country because of the instability still that's there but we, travel, we are based out of Nairobi, Kenya. We, we oversee the Bible school in Kenya. But we also travel back and forth and we do a lot of training and um, help with establishing new churches and that. But this is just, just to give you a, uh, an idea of what God has been doing, uh, I'm not sure which way I'm going to be pointing this thing or if it's going to even work. Praise God. I was telling Pastor Will, no, with Pastor Rob, that... Um, I haven't had, I don't know about you, but I haven't had very good experience with PowerPoint. I said one time that this thing really takes the power out of the point, usually. <laughs> Praise God, you're trying to make a point, and amen, it does not come across. So the United Pentecostal Church of South Sudan was registered in August 2011, as I mentioned. Uh, so not a very long time ago. Um, uh, let me see now if it's uh, going to be. Okay. All right. Um, so we begun in 2011. We had two small churches. We had about 200 members. And I say that and usually um, uh, qualify that. That's counting all the chickens, dogs, everything that's, that's around. Praise God. When you, when you 
small, you get desperate. But you're thankful. Praise God. Um, so look at that number with, with some skepticism. But thankfully, God has been good. Eight years later, we now have over 48 churches. And we have about 20,000 constituents. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. And that's not counting the dogs and chickens and all of those. Praise God. Thank God. But God has given us an, uh, an amazing increase in just eight years. My wife and I did not even realize the short span of time. We knew what was happening on the ground, but it was only when headquarters asked us to update our records before we came back that we realized, you know, the short span of time. But um, I wanted you to know, one, what you're looking at there is one of our churches, one of, one of over 20 churches that we have, that because of the, the rapid increase in, in reaching people, we literally have no place to put many of our people. So we have over 28 churches that meet on the trees, as you're seeing right there. That's how, and we didn't tell people to do this. In fact, we're finding more and more that this is really, it, it, it was people deciding, you know, they wanted to have church and they're going to find some place to have church. And in many different areas we're talking about, um, this is what they started doing, meeting under these tr huge trees. Praise God. Amen. And um, we found that the hand of God has, is in it. It's interesting because in South Sudan it can get very hot, and sometimes the best place to be in is under a tree. Praise God! So um, we're we're kind of really, you know, we're even wondering. This is another one of our churches. Uh, we're talking about hundreds of people um, in these churches. Um, this is in Akateng. This is another one, Mathingir. Um, this is another one, Malik Nok. Um, this is another one. It's a re very recent church called a place called Mot Mot. Praise God. This over this last year in 2018, we baptized over 2,000 people in Jesus' name. Praise God. Uh, hallelujah. We also had over another 2,350 people re receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is according to reports that we actually received. I am I'm absolutely certain we have had more people, but we're just instituting, as a new church, we're trying to institute proper reporting monthly. We're not there 100%, but this is what we, we, we're, we actually know of. So God has been, been helping us to reach a lot of people, and we're so thankful for what, what he's doing. Praise God. We're going to share some testimonies, uh, personal testimonies, because again, we're thankful for the numbers, but this is about lives being changed. Praise God. I was listening to some of the songs that we were singing a while ago about the power of the name of Jesus. Can I tell you this is real? Amen. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it. He was writing then to the Roman, the, 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 the people in Rome, and he was talking about going to Rome to preach the gospel. Now, Rome was one of the most corrupt societies. But Paul was convinced that the message he carried could change anyone. Yeah. Praise God. And that's why, that's what we need. Um, not only in Africa, but we need it in North America. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's what will deal with the, some of the things that are going on here. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This, this is the, one of the testimonies we have um, this church uh, began with seven young men being converted in a village. Uh, in fact, the, 
the 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 brother who um, was able to help us to start this church. He's a refugee himself. He came to Kenya. We met him in Kenya. My wife and I taught taught him in the Bible school. He he graduated from the Bible school. He became one of our pastors. He pastors a refugee church in Nairobi, Kenya, one of the slums. There we work closely with him. His name is Brother Joseph. He came to us and he said to us he wanted to go back to his village um, and share the gospel with his people. But he asked us to pray specifically for him because he said, Brother Sister Groves, my people, I know my people, and they're very stubborn people. He said they're, they're, they're very set in their traditions, their ways, which, much of which is witchcraft. But he said that um, they're very difficult to convert. Um, he said, he said just to give us an example, he said, a missionary came there from some other organization, um, and he was there for about uh, 15 to 20 years. And he said that gentleman finally left um, and went back to where he came from because he was completely discouraged. He gave the people food, gave them clothes, different, did different things, but he did not even have one convert in all the time that he was there. And so he said he, he remembered that man that he went back and he felt even sorry for him because, but he said it's just because of how his people were. So he said, I'm going back and I'm going to try and share the gospel, this truth that I've come to know and this experience with my people. He, he called us, uh, we... We said we would pray with him, and, um, and we, we did. And about a week after he got there, he called us, and he was excited. He said, Brother Groves, I have seven young men that have accepted the gospel in my village. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So he said, I'm going to be baptizing them. I'm going to do, um, he was going to spend another week or so. He said, I'm going to teach them everything I can, and, I'm, and then I'm going to commission them to reach um, everybody that they can, you know, while I have to go back to Nairobi to pastor the church and his family was in Nairobi. One of these converts was Brother Angelo, who you see in the blue shirt there, the light blue shirt. And um, Brother Angelo um, was one of the young men that he commissioned. Well, just to give you an idea what, what happened after, this is the church that was started with seven young men, pastored by Brother Angelo. They have now a congregation of over a thousand people that that grew, grew to a thousand people in just uh, less than 12 months. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this is what the Lord has been doing. Uh, and we've seen it consistently. And this is what we attribute to the growth. Again, church, this is for everybody. Amen. Amen. And what happened, these young converts, they took... They took Brother Joseph at his word and they, 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 they not only listened to what he taught them, but he, they applied it. They went and carried the gospel. Praise God. And, and as you see, some of them became pastors shortly after. They're, they're fairly, we would call them new converts. Praise God. But you know what? God will use anybody that makes themselves available. Praise God. And so this is, this, this is um, one of our, our thriving churches that we have now. Praise God. Um, this this letter on you you're not unfortunate uh, you can't see it. I actually again the situation in South Sudan is so so bad that the network is terrible. Getting um, they don't have a postal service. They um, even do, using email is a struggle there. We some we communicate primarily by WhatsApp. Um, sometimes that works. Um, and I was sent a copy of this letter. 
I came out of an interesting situation. Actually, it was a it was a very serious situation that was brought to our attention. We had to be praying because some of our pastors, again, because of their their trying to reach people with the gospel, had gone to this other village um, to to try and reach some people. They went there, started preaching, and they baptized about sixty people in a very short time. Praise God. This is what's been happening. But in South Sudan, because of the fighting and the instability, it's, it's very dangerous sometimes to go into a new era where people don't know you. They literally will kill you if you can't really, you don't have a good reason for being there. And they don't know you because they'll think that you have come there with some ulterior motive to hurt the village because that has happened over and over. So um, anyway, the, some of the village elders, they, um, after our pastors baptize these people, they complain to the the legal authorities in the area, the governors. And so our pastors were arrested. All of them were arrested and put in jail. Um, and usually, again, because the situation in South Sudan, they, their, their form of, um, of, of justice is, is just very swift. You know, they, 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 they put you on trial, and if you're found guilty, they just get rid of you because they don't really have places to put people in jail or whatever, so they just, you know, deal with the problem. And so it was a very serious situation, so we were asked to pray, and, and we, of course there was nothing much we could do other than and to pray. And we told them, you know, just uh, let the Lord direct them as they, as they face the situation. Anyway, they had a trial, had a village trial. All of the governors came, legal authorities. They brought the, their accusers, these elders. Um, some interesting things were said. Um, in the, in the, the elders were really trying to impress the governors to deal with these young men um, in a very... Um, uh, serious way but um, uh, one of the things that they actually said was that they said uh, they felt that these men were using magic um, because they'd never seen so many people baptized in just a short time so they were accusing them of using magic which is, was interesting because that's what they actually do <laughs> um, so I guess but um, it was kind of like a Moses and, and, and Pharaoh situation but anyway um, they also tried to bolster that by saying that they said that their gods were complaining about these young men. That something need to be dealt with, that they need to be dealt with. So even the gods were upset. <laughs> Praise God. So anyway, um, the young men were given an opportunity to talk about you know, what they were doing and why, why they were doing what they were doing. And they basically, all they could do was share the gospel. They just told people, they took the Bible and they said, this is what we've been telling people. This is what the scripture says. This is what we've been doing. The Bible says we're to do this. And this is what's been happening. They, they heard them out, and then they put them aside, and then they, the governors went to, to, to the, you know, do their thing, to consult and whatever, determine what they're going to do, what, how they're going to deal with this. Well, they came back not long after, and they said, you know what, we have discussed this, we have um, looked at the situation, we've heard both sides, and they said, what we have noticed actually in our village, before these young men came, there was a lot of fighting and killing over cattle, which is very common in South Sudan because uh, people, that's where their wealth is in their cattle. And a lot of times that's what caused a lot of the fighting. Um, but they said, since these young men have come, uh, many of these people who have been baptized, we have noticed that they have stopped fighting and killing each other over cattle. Praise God. So that has been a blessing to our, our community. So they said, Further, we have listened to them and everything that they've said, it's in the Bible. And so we have no problem that this is not magic, this is the word of God. And so they said, 
we have decided we're going to let these men go, but not only are we going to let them go, this is what they said, and this was very, we did not expect anything like this. They said, we're going to give them a letter, and this letter is from the state governor, and the letter basically said, you can't read it here because of the, where, how small it is, but, um, and even I am having problems reading it right now, but it says in effect that we have given the United Pentecostal Church authority to preach and to teach in this area, and we have also instructed every government agent to support them so that they are successful in, in what they're trying to accomplish. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So, of course, now they had the authority of the government behind them with this letter. So, nobody would ever touch them. And as a result, we have many churches in that area. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And, of course, those elders who complained were very sorry that they complained. Because now it was worse. They were in a worse situation. They could not say anything against these, these, these pastors. Praise God. This, this, this gentleman, um, and keep in mind, one of the things that we're, my wife and I are seeing and we're so thankful for is the growth of the church is primarily, um, it is because of the fact that the people who are being converted, they are, they are actually getting involved immediately. In, in, in reaching souls and, and, and in praying for people. And in, you know, they're just doing what the scripture says. Praise God. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, he said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses. We tell our converts this and they take God at his word. They don't know much, but we tell them you have had an experience you have the same Holy Ghost we have. You have. We have the same Holy Ghost the apostles and the early church had. So we can do what they did. And we should do what they did. Because that's why God gave us. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes how we read scriptures. But when we read that scripture in Acts, the correct context is that when you receive the Holy Ghost, it's not only just going to help you to live for God. It's going to help you to be a witness for Jesus Christ. In fact, that's the primary purpose. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I'm talking uh, from a per perspective. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in North America. We'd, we didn't tell new converts when they got saved, you are now empowered to go out there and reach people, pray for the sick and all this kind of stuff. We tell them that, you know, God has filled you with the Holy Ghost, giving you power to live for him, have power over the devil, and now you're going to sit in a new converts class or, or a discipleship class for a year or two. Nothing wrong with that. I believe that's absolutely necessary to train people, to teach people. But you know what? In South Sudan, saints of God, we don't have the luxury of putting people to sit for six months or a year. There are too many people to reach. Praise God. And my wife and I, we know our limitations. Praise God. So what's been happening is that God's been using these new converts. Praise God. And to be quite honest, the Lord encouraged us and, and showed us because we... Sir, we believe very strongly in um, teaching because we oversee the Bible school in, so in Kenya and we take it very seriously. But you know what? We tell our people in South Sudan, you're getting on-the-job training. Praise God. Amen. And that's just how it has to be. Amen. And we're looking forward to the time where we can set up a Bible school in South Sudan. In fact, that's one of our major um, projects right now. But 
you know, for, for the time being, we just tell them you just have to do what God called you to do. Amen? Amen. And this is what, one of the things that's been happening. This man came to us, his, one of our churches. He was a, a, lep, a leper. He didn't even come to the church itself because of his condition. He came to where this new church was established. And he heard that people were being healed in the church. And he came and he asked the church to pray for him. And he went back to where he was staying. He came back a few days after to show the church that God had completely healed him. He was, there was not a mark on his body. Praise God. He was a completely different person when he came back. Amen. Hallelujah. So he testified to the church. The, the, the picture on the right is him now. He was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and he, that's him worshiping in the church. He can now be in the church because he's no longer a leper. Praise God, because of the power of God. Hallelujah. This lady, Sister Bakita, she came also because to another church, she heard that God was healing the sick. And this is one of the things. In South Sudan, they have no, because of the situation, they actually have some really nice clinics, and they're completely empty. Because the people who came there, some of these aid agencies came to establish the clinics, had to literally run away and leave the clinics because of the fighting. So they, they have absolutely no medical um, uh, facilities. In fact, I, I, I just um, got a message yesterday from one of our pastors, and his daughter picked up this thing, which I wasn't even that familiar with. It's called Guinea World. It, it's, it's where you, um, it, because they're having flooding in some areas, um, this is caused by a lava getting into the body and, and it, it, it forms into a worm and it's, it, it's, it, it eventually the worm comes out of the body and you have to literally pull, the only way to deal with it up to now, anywhere, is to literally pull that worm just, just slowly um, and to take it out. Now the people, because they did not know this, they actually end up doing the worst thing. They literally were pulling it out and because they want to try and get it out quicker because it's very painful, they went and cut it off. And what happens when you do that is that the worm decomposes in the body and makes it worse. Praise God. So we got that message. This young lady, when I inquired as to how we can get her to some place where she can, because now we're talking about sepsis and different things that can literally lead to her death. Um, I was told by a pastor that because of the flooding again, there is no bike or bicycles even anywhere that can come anywhere near so somebody has to carry her for two hours on their shoulder to, to get to where they can get some kind of uh, transportation like a bicycle or, or bike. And that they would now have to travel another two hours just to get to the nearest clinic. Praise God. Because that's the situation that's happening. So again, when Sister Bakita heard that people were being healed, she had been blind for seven years. She came and she was prayed for by the church. God opened her eyes. Praise God. Hallelujah. I just got this not long ago. They sent me the picture when I inquired what it was about. They said, this is Sister Bakita. Now, she's now farming. She has started her own little farming because God has restored her sight. Praise God. Hallelujah. So she's no longer begging. Amen. I'm telling you, this gospel transformed. We don't even, sometimes when we see the miracles even in the Bible, we don't, we don't know the, what the backstory, the follow-up story is as to what happened to those people's lives. Many of those people that Jesus met and healed, their lives was completely transformed. It was not just about that initial healing. It was what happened as a result of it. Many of them were begging for their living. And then they went back and were able to actually function normally. Praise God. And this is what happened to Sister Bakita.
Praise God. This man, um, his name is Salva. He came to another one of our churches. And he could not walk. He was lame. He was carried to the church um, uh, for 10 years. He spent everything he said on doctors, which was mostly witch doctors. But every type of doctor he went to, they could not help him. Um, and he came to the church because he heard that Jesus was healing people. The church prayed for him and God healed him completely. Gave him the ability to walk. Praise God. After prayer. And um, I'm going to see if we can see a little bit of his testimony here. Praise God. I don't know if the sound is, uh, if we don't have sound, don't worry about it. But our pastor was just, I just sent this, uh, is able to get this video. Um, he was just kind of asking to share his testimony. And he was talking about how after he was prayed for, he was carried back home. God didn't heal him immediately, but he was carried back home. But the following night, he said, somebody appeared to him in white. And the person, after the person appeared to him, said some things to him. He said he found he had strength in his body and he was able to walk. Praise God. So he came back and he told the church, praise God. Of course, he was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. And he's here testifying. Praise God. Um, <clears throat> if at the end, toward the end, one of the things that I found was very interesting is that he, as the pastor was asking him to show, you know, what God had done, he, he started not only walking on the spot, but he started running. He said, God has not only healed me to make me walk, I can now run. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, let, let me just let it go for a little while to see if it comes to that point. Praise God. It's, it's a little bit of a... Yeah, this is our pastor talking to me. As you are seeing it. So can you do like this? You can walk. Okay. Yeah, try to run. Try to run. Yes. Good. Thank you. Up here. Praise God. He looks pretty fit right there. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's what the Lord is. You know, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above, above what we can ask or think. If you think about sometimes even with the, all of the technology that we have today and, and some of the things. And I thank God for everything that God has given to our, the knowledge God has given to our doctors. But can I tell you what Jesus does is so much better. Praise God. Because even sometimes when we are helped here, you have to go through a long period of rehabilitation, they call it. Praise God. Well, God is like he just skips the rehabilitation and just goes right to track and field. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. This is myself and my wife, some of our leaders, our senior leaders. That's uh, The gentleman beside me is actually the most senior member of our church. My wife and I prayed with this gentleman when, he, when we first went to South Sudan. First time, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. His name is Pastor Samuel. Praise God. He's been in the church for eight years. Uh, Pastor Seals, he's our most senior, senior elder. <laughs> Amen. Just to give you an idea how young the church is. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because he's been there longer than anybody else. And he's been there just eight years. Beside him is Sister Lois. She's a lady leader. And brother Pastor John is one of our other pastors, senior pastors. Praise God. So we thank God for, for these people. This is, this is now, I call this, um, thinking about it even this morning, and I call this um, our, our um, it's our dream, but it's really my wife's dream. 
This is something my wife, from the first time we went to South Sudan, maybe even before, but when we went, certainly, she saw all these children because of the war. South Sudan has left many, many orphans. Many, we, we haven't met a family that has not been, you know, um, devastated uh, because of the war. Oh, it, during the war, they said over 2 million people were killed. And people continue to be, be killed, unfortunately, because of some of the fighting that's going on still. But um, I thought of this, and I, I, you know, this is, you know, how you talk about um, somebody's dream house. This is my wife's dream house. This is what she's dreaming you know, for and, and looking and, and, and asking God. And she talks about it quite often. Praise God. But this is her house. But it's really not a house for her, but for her children in South Sudan. We support several, um, uh, um, a number of, of orphans right now, both in Nairobi, who are refugees, and also in South Sudan. Uh, but right now, what all we're able to do primarily is to help to feed them sometimes and also to primarily to help them with schooling. So that's what we do. But my wife has always wanted for us to start an orphanage where we can actually house them, we can school them, we can, we can teach them the word of God, we can do everything for them that they need to be done. Praise God. Because, I, and the reason why, she, I think partly the reason why the Lord has done, she lost her mom when she was very young. And she went through a lot of things as a result of that. You know, moving from place to place, being mistreated in some areas and whatever. And she kind of puts herself in that situation where some of these children are in. Praise God. So this is, this is, this is our, this is our, our we're, as I said, we're wrapping up our deputation now. But this is one of the things that we're really asking the Lord to help us. So this is our next major project. We're, we're estimating, based on what we have seen again in South Sudan, because of the situation there, it's very hard to, to do some of these things in a, in, a, in, a, in a normal way because things are just always fluctuating. When we went to South Sudan because of the oil, it's an oil producing country, their, their, their currency was um, two South Sudanese pounds to, to one US dollar. Just to give you an idea right now, today it's 300 South Sudanese pounds to one US dollar. That's how much the, their economy has been devastated. Praise God. And um, so this is, this is from our best um, estimate we've gotten so far that what's going to cost us to, to be able to at least, we're not even sure if this will complete it, but this is, will help us to be able to do the project. So this is one of the things that we're trying to raise funds toward, praise God. And as I said, this is my, my wife's dream house. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So please pray with us. This, this now, I'm going to show you, um, you saw some of our church, pictures of some of our churches. This is one of our churches under the trees with our Sunday school kids um, uh, worshiping. And I just wanted to show you this so, so give you a little bit more intimate. This song is celebrating the, the, the revelation. And this is such a blessing to us when we hear these children singing about the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. That our, live, our God, who we know his name, his name is Jesus Christ. You know what? Let's just join him. Let's clap or do whatever you want to do. Stop.
said we are seeking the living God. We're dancing for the living God. We're running for the living God. And this is what we, we do. You know how in North America, it's interesting. We run around the pews, they run around the trees. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> same, same worship, same, just different, different perspective. Praise God. Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We stand for the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm so thankful. Prior to us establishing these churches, many of these children were growing up and being taught that God is some idol. In fact, one of the things that happens many times over and over in so one of the first things that happens when people are converted, they bring the stuff that they used to use, the worship, and they burn them. And I, I, you know, when I see that, I think that's a good principle even for us in North America. Amen. We need to burn some things, yes. get rid of some things we that's used to right. deal with yes. because really they have no part in our new life in Christ. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's what they're saying. They're saying, devil, this is it for you and I. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I just wanted to say on behalf of the church, in particular in South Sudan, um, I want, my wife and I want to say thank you so much for your prayers. You don't know the impact. And you will not know until we get to heaven and the Lord begins to roll. But we're just showing you a little part of what uh, you know, you're accomplishing when you pray for your missionaries and you support your missionaries. You, this, you are impacting lives of people. Amen. That only God will be able to, to show you. And this is, this is one of our, this is just one of our, our, our churches. We're doing some training. Um, one of our pastors was traveling and doing some training. And this is just one of our, 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 our churches with some of our leaders, um, both ladies and men. And can I tell you, some people don't believe in lady preachers. But again, we have no, we, we have no such problem in South Sudan. Because God uses anybody that makes themselves available. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So God bless you. We love you and we appreciate you folks so much. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. This, this young lady that I'm going to ask us if you would just say a word of prayer for her. Maybe even, even right now. Mary L. Mary L is her name, who is the little girl who has been suffering with this condition. Um, we're, we're actively right now trying to get her to uh, some place where she can be treated. Praise God. She's the, she's the niece of one of our pastors. And um, if we just say a word of prayer, even right now, if we could do that in Jesus' name. Lord God, we will ask you, God. In Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We appreciate you. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just before we take our seat, I just want to share with you something from the word of the Lord, just briefly, that I was reading recently and just brought home again to me how important it is for us to share this message. In John chapter 3, um, Jesus, we know this very familiar passage of scripture where he spoke to Nicodemus who came to him with questions, who was a religious leader at the time. And Jesus, I believe, addressed the, the real question that he had, which was, you know, the most important question, what must I do to be saved? Praise God. I, I go to church, I read the Bible, pray, you know, but what, what do I do to make it? I want to make it to heaven. Can I tell you, church, I'm not in this. My, I grew up in a religious family. My grandfather's a Presbyterian minister, well-respected. There's churches named after him in, our, in the island of Jamaica right now. Praise God. So I, I had religion, but I didn't have salvation. Praise God. And um, I'm so thankful when the Lord started dealing with my wife and I. We, we had our initial experience outside of church. That's where God, and I tell, I tell people, that's the God that we serve. You don't even have to get to where he is. He'll come to where you are. Praise God. Hallelujah. My wife and I, we were living together. We were living in sin. But it was then that God came to us and started dealing with me and showing me I needed to change my life. Didn't know much at the time, but he led us step by step until he led us. We were actually reading the book of Acts, and we said we're going to find the church that we read about in this book. We had become convinced we need to be baptized, even though people, ministers were telling us you don't need to be baptized, because that's what we were taught that era. But the, the, shortly after, the Lord led us to United Pentecostal Church in our city. We didn't know anything about this truth. But that first night, we walked in. We thought the people were crazy, because we never saw anything like that. Praise God. People sh they were doing everything we were told not to do in church. Let me put it that way. They were shouting, talking on top of their voices, clapping. Dancing, dancing in church, that is a no-no where we come from, praise God. But you know what we found, my wife and I, we thank God we stuck around. And one thing we had to say, these people worship God with everything, praise God. Later on, we found out everything they were doing was in the Bible, amen? It's just that we weren't being told those things, praise God. When we were baptized in Jesus' name that very night, first night, and shortly after, God filled us with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Completely transformed the life. One week, uh, two weeks, uh, two weeks after we were, we were baptized and filled. That's when God called my wife and I, as missionaries. He spoke to us separately, and uh, but we got the same message. Praise God, and um, that's when we two weeks after we were saved, and that's again why the Lord reminded us that for us it didn't take long for Him to communicate to us. You are not here. Just to sit and enjoy the blessings of God. You are here to reach somebody else. Praise God. So Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you know, you must be born of water and of the spirit. Can I tell you, if you're here this morning and you've been trying to do what you do for, to, to just please God, just to live a good life. That's good, but that's not enough. Amen. Jesus said, you must be born again. Praise God. He was talking to a man who was like a pastor. So he was saying, with even your position, sir, I'm sorry, you must be born again. Yes, sir. Praise God. 
And he said, he, that man asked the question just to show you that that was what was on his heart. He said, how can an old man like me be born a second time? Jesus explained to him, you must be born of water and of the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. He was talking, of course, of baptism in water in Jesus' name and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. But then he went on to say this, and this is where I want to read. John 3, verse 14. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can I tell you this morning, he came... He was God in flesh, but he did not come to condemn us, even though we were all, in fact, we were all already condemned because of sin. But he came to save us. And he told the story of Moses lifted up that serpent. If you go back and read what happened, because of the disobedience, the sin of the people, God had allowed serpents to come and bite them, and they were dying by the thousands, by the hundreds. And then the people went to Moses and said, we have sinned. Pray for us. You know, ask God to help us. And Moses went to God and God told him, said, make a brazen serpent, a serpent out of brass, and hold it up. And anybody that looks to that serpent will be healed. And Moses did what he did, what God told him quickly. He lifted up that brazen serpent. And the Bible says he literally stood between the living and the dead. Because everybody that looked to the serpent, the serpent like God instructed, they were, they were spared from death. Jesus said, that's, how, that's a picture of me. He became sin, the Bible says, who knew no sin. The reason we see him on that cross suffering as he died, he, it, it's interesting, even now, that symbolism is used in the medical profession as a sign of healing. Praise God. Just to show you, even though the world doesn't want to acknowledge the truth, it has to acknowledge the truth. That Jesus is the only means of healing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So listen, but listen to what he went on to say, which is what caught my attention. Amen. He said, this is what he went on to say in verse 18. He said, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And he said, this is the condemnation. I want you to listen to this carefully. He said, this is, this is the only reason somebody will be condemned. Is that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. Praise God. In other words, God has sent us the light. He has sent us the message of salvation. All we have to do is, is, is do what God is telling us. God told those people, look at that brazen serpent, which was representing Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do today. And that's what we're telling people in, in East Africa. We're telling the people here. That's your answer. You need to look at Jesus Christ. He is the answer. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. The thing is, when you do look at him, he's going to have something for you to do. Praise God. He told his disciples in Mark 16, 
He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not, listen, shall be damned. Praise God. We didn't say that. The United Pentecostal Church didn't say that. Praise God. Your pastor didn't say that. That's the word of God. If you do not believe and obey this gospel, it's not just mentally accepting. Because he said, he that believeth and is baptized. You know what some people have actually, some churches are changed on their own and said, if you are saved, you can be baptized. But the Bible didn't say that. It says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's the proper order. Baptism is essential for your salvation. Praise God. The Bible says this, and I want to just close with this. It says, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses, Unto them, he hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now we as ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, he said, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them that are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. So Paul said, that's what I determined. Paul was a bright man. But he said, I, I actually determined I would preach nothing save Christ and the cross. Because that is what saves people. Can I tell you, this message is so simple. That's one of the things people are telling us in South Sudan. They, we constantly hear this. They say, this is so simple compared to what we've been taught before. You mean all we have to do is repent of our sins. Get baptized in Jesus' name. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and live for God. Is that it? We don't have to make any sacrifices. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just recently, uh, one of our, we, one of our um, churches that we got into, this lady came. Um, she, she began to share her story. She said she was very badly beaten. Um, very badly injured. And she began to share how that apparently one of the things that's been happening is that there's some of these witch doctors are telling these people because of the severe poverty and suffering in South Sudan, the only way they can get money is to actually for these men to kill their wives. And this one man, he, he, he killed his wife and his neighbor decided to follow suit and he tried to kill his but he had beaten her body and thought she was dead, but she was not dead. So after he left, she was able to get away, even though she was badly, bad, really badly injured. Praise God. But thank God, she was able to go to one of our churches. And she's going to share. And they ministered to her. She is now he. I'm sorry I don't have a picture, but she's now, God has touched her body. And she's now a member of one of our churches. But that's the kind of situation that people are dealing with. Can I tell you, that may shock us here. But we see things that are very similar happening here. It may not be so 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 um, so 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 clear 
but it's the same spirit. When I hear of, of, of husbands wiping out their families, that's a spirit that has, has com somehow communicated that to, 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 to parents that they would literally look at their little children and say, you know what, I need to get rid of you. Praise God. For whatever purpose. Let me tell you, the Bible, Jesus said, the devil has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. God bless you this morning. Are you going to pray for Sudan? Amen. We're going to stand with them in financial support on a monthly basis. And we will do that through your faithful giving.